Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless. Good morning. Good to see you guys. It's so good to be here. Yes, uh, of course, we've been out for the last couple Sundays, and I can tell you there's no place like home. I want to take a moment and welcome our online viewers today. Thank you for joining us, as well as welcome uh, my dear friends, Pastors Albert and, and Adrian White. Of course, they're the parents of Ariel Foster. Thank you guys for being with us. They're going to be with us for a while. Now, Ariel is speaking over at our Five Points campus today, so like any good parents would do, they came to support their daughter. So, um, and just a couple of things really fast before I get into the word this morning. Number one, um, our president, Pastor Glenn Burrish, his mom passed away on yesterday. It was, it, was, it was expected. She'd been ill for a while. So I want you to remember to pray for Pastor Glenn and his family as they did with the passing of, of their mom. And as I'm praying for the word this morning, I'm going to also pray for him. Um, I want to thank uh, uh, Pastor Agabus, who was here a couple weeks ago when Pastor Agabus spoke. Yeah, really amazing man of God. I want to thank him for being with us. I hate I was not here. Um, if you if you were not here, please, please uh, visit our site and go and see his message. As a matter of fact, you're going to see Pastor Agabus again before this message is over. Uh, so be prepared for that. Um, and also Pastor Angela I want to thank Pastor Angela she ministered last, last Sunday yes about rebuilding the wall and of course she issued a challenge which uh, we have really sent forth to the entire church uh, uh, for 275 people to give $1,000 to help us with our rebuilding project uh, for South Huntsville uh, I sent out an email kind of outlining it for you guys, but $150,000 is, is what the city was going to require us to do to even occupy the building. There's utilities, HVAC, plumbing, and then there's about $125,000 in build-out that we need to do for classrooms, for children, and different things. So please, if you will, accept her challenge. Uh, donate $1,000 to that effort. Uh, but of course, any gift will be appreciated. Just note that it's for the South Huntsville Project. Amen? Well, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. So if we will turn to the book of 1 Samuel, we're going to begin our reading there. 1 Samuel. As you're turning, let me just go on and pray for the word. Father, we just thank you for this time and for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I actually just blessed us speaking and the hearing of your word. God, I pray that as we give ourselves to learn and hear this morning that you would just uh, uh, illuminate your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray for Pastor Glenn, for his family as they did with the passing of their mom. We just lift them up before you now as a church. We thank you for his leadership. We thank you for his heart. And God, we just pray you be with them now like never before. Now, Holy Spirit, come and breathe in this place afresh and anew. Let the word of the living God be expressed and released in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to begin reading in verse 9. Where's my music? She know the routine. 
No, I don't want you. I've been gone two weeks. No, it's okay. It's fine. First Samuel 1 verse 9. I'm sure the guys can handle the microphone, right? It says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place. Now see, she's not going to play some this anointing. She's going to bang on the computer. I give up. I leave for two weeks. And <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Angela. <laughs> There's no place like home. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged, and I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah, where Elkanah slept with Hannah. The Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord, with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, he agreed. Stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he's granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Today I'm going to share with you part three of the series that I've been doing on famous women of the Bible. Series, of course, which deals with the racial and political divide in our country. If you was here in the first message, I asked a question in my title, who are you? And in that message, I, I, I challenge you to identify first and foremost with your Christian identity. Before you identify yourself as a 
as a, as a Caucasian American, black American, African American, before you identify yourself as a, as a, as a, as a uh, um, Republican or a Democrat or any other thing, you are a child of God. The second message was entitled, May I Have Some Bread, Please? And in that, I talked about you sharing some, some water, please. Thank you, honey. She, she's on it. May I have some water, please? And in that, I, I talked about us sharing things in us with others that will help make their lives better, that will tear down walls of racial and political divide. Well, today I want to ask you another question with the title of this message. And that question is this. Will you alter your preferences? Will you alter your preferences? And that alter is intentionally spelled A-L-T-A-R and not A-L-T-E-R. Focus of this series has been to address the ongoing tension that we see in America by looking at women in the Bible who in their day succeeded in bringing about radical change. And Hannah was such a woman. With today's message, I want to challenge you to take a look at your life and determine if your life is based on or lived out of your preferences, the things you prefer, or God's preferences whom he wants you to be and what he wants you to do and say. When it comes to these issues that are inescapable in today's climate, how do you view them? From what perspective, yours or from God's? If you want to alter, and that is A-L-T-E-R, or change what's wrong in America, you must be willing to alter, and that is A-L-T-A-R, your preferences. You must be willing to take your desires, take your wants, take your preferences, and place them on the altar of God. If you will do that, then how you see, how you hear, how you understand, how you live your life will be altered by God. Preference is defined as the act of preferring or the state of being preferred. It is the power or opportunity of choosing. Preference is the act, the fact, or the principle of giving advantages to some over others. It describes a feeling, a feeling of liking, or wanting one person or one thing more than another. There is an inherent danger in preferences. And that danger is this. Preferences 
are personal. And since they're personal, there will always exist some degree of likelihood that what you prefer may be wrong. That what you prefer may not line up with the will and with the heart of God. I hope you're not thinking, I wish he stayed on vacation. (laughs) So what is the solution that we can reach that will make all of our preferences viable? I believe our preferences can be made viable. And I believe there's a solution that we can reach collectively that will make those preferences viable. What is that solution? That solution is to place them on the altar of God. Place them there and leave them there. Take them to the Lord in prayer and leave them in his care. Too often we go into our prayer closets with good intentions. But when we come out, we bring our skeletons out with us. We have to learn to leave them where they belong. And that is on the altar of prayer and sacrifice. Hannah was married to Elkanah. And as was the custom in her day, this man had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because of her barrenness. This went on year after year. It was the same thing when they went up to Shiloh to worship and offer sacrifices. This woman would taunt Hannah. And the taunting was so bad that it would reduce her to tears to the point where Hannah would even refuse to eat. So Hannah did the only viable thing. She petitioned the Lord for help. She altered her desires. And in seeking God's help, she also promised to give the child back to the Lord if he would open her wounds to life. Talk about altering your preferences. It's one thing to ask God for what you desire. It's another thing altogether to give back to him as his own the fulfillment of your request. You see, that takes it out of the realm of selfishness and place it in the realm where it becomes useful for all. And you're going to understand that Hannah's request, God answering Hannah's request was useful not only to her, but it impacted the entire nation of Israel. Hannah was desperate. You see, barrenness was the ultimate tragedy for a married Hebrew woman. The inability to perpetuate a man's name and secure the orderly transfer of his estate upon his death often resulted in insecurity and humiliation of women. That's why she asked for a son. You remember in the first message I did, we talked about the daughters of Zelophehad and how they had changed customs by petitioning Moses and God that, that their father's inheritance would go to them, women, instead of to a son. Okay, so you see the connection here. Hannah's prayer demonstrates the proper way to handle situations over which we have no control. 
Now, I want to give you the setting behind today's text real quick. Israel had been governed by judges whom God raised up at critical times in the nation's history. At this time, the nation of Israel had degenerated both morally and politically. In other words, it was in a bad state of existence. It had been under the merciless onslaught of the Philistines. The temple at Shiloh had been desecrated, and the priesthood was corrupt and immoral. Eli, who was head priest, had sons who, according to 1 Samuel 2.12, were both corrupt and did not know the Lord. Because of these conditions, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Yet Hannah believed that God would hear her if she altered her preferences. He believed he would hear her if she sought him for what he alone could do. So being firm in her conviction, even in her barrenness, she prayed to the Lord and God remembered her, brought fruitfulness to her womb, and removed the social disgrace associated in her day with infertility. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and will produce great results. If you would but pray and God as he will often do, not only answered Hannah's prayer, but he also used his answer to change things beyond Hannah's personal request. He used her prayer request to change a nation. Don't tell me one person can't make a difference. Don't tell me your prayers doesn't matter to God. If you would take your prayers and your, your preferences and, and place them at the altar of God in earnest desire that God would bring forth what only God can do, I'm telling you, your prayers will change things. But you got to pray. You got to be willing to come to the altar you got to be willing to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of religious and political confusion, God answered Hannah's prayer, giving her Samuel, who was a miracle son. And in a way that only God could do, the renewal and joy that Samuel's birth brought to Hannah prefigured the same for the nation of Israel. Listen, there are moral and social disgraces that many Americans face daily. And the only hope for them is for the church to call upon the name of the Lord. The only hope is for us to alter our preferences in favor of justice and peace for all. We're 21 days from the start of a new year. A time when many people, including many of you in this room, will make resolutions. Some will be idle. Some will be heartfelt. But you'll make resolutions that you will not keep. And most people fail to keep resolutions 
because they do not understand that resolutions without discipline do not work. Do you hear me? Resolutions without discipline does not work. Instead of making a New Year's resolution, I want to challenge you to alter, and that's A-L-T-E-R, your future by placing it on the altar of God. The best way for you to get a head start on the new year is not by making resolutions, but by seeking God for a more disciplined life with him. What if you, yeah, I'm talking to you, not your neighbor. What if you improve your prayer life? What kind of impact do you think that'll have on you, on your family, and on your future? What if you improved how you read and learn God's word? I'm talking to you, not your neighbor. How do you think that will benefit you? You can improve both your prayer life and your learning of God's word through a more disciplined lifestyle. When you become more disciplined in prayer and in learning, you will discover a greater purpose in life. Your God-given purpose is best discovered as you spend time with Jesus praying and reading God's word. There is no substitute for that. That is how you gain God's heart on matters of life. God wants you to live your life in his purpose, not out of your own. When you alter your preferences through prayer, you will alter or change what your life consists of. I was able to listen to the portions of the word preached two weeks ago by my dear friend, Pastor Agabus, whom you'll see in just a moment. And if you would not hear or have not listened to this message, I encourage you to, to go online and listen to it for with a powerful word. But there was one thing that he said about the prayer life of Jesus that really stood out to me. He said, listen to this. Jesus did not make long prayers in public because he'd spend much time in prayer alone. <laughs> Jesus did not make long prayers in public because he spent much time in prayer along with his father. The more time you spend alone with God, the more effective your time with others will become. Our public prayers should be fervent, faith-filled communication with God Instead of prayers that sound like we're trying to convince God to do something. <laughs> huh? Our public prayers should be fervent, full of life, faith filled communication with your Father. And people should hear you pray 
and say, oh my gosh, something about the way that man prays or that woman prays, it moves me. And it's not because of your much speaking. It's because you've been alone with Jesus. Our prayers should sound like we believe God has already answered our petitions to him. Instead of sounding like we're trying to convince God to do something that he promised us he would do. <laughs> Let's get back to this 21-day thing. It was 21 days from the end of the year, and I want, I want you to, to really get this about becoming more disciplined. Research has shown through both science and, and psychology that it takes at least 21 days to form a new habit. So if you don't have a habit of praying, it's not going to happen just like that. If you don't have a habit of reading God's word, you're not just going to turn it on. Okay? You're going to have to learn how to discipline yourself. You're going to have to, to form or create a new habit of prayer and of reading. What if you started today? You're 21 days out. What if you started today? Say, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to read my word today. And I'm going to do it every day for the next 21 days. By the time you get to the new year, you will have created some sense of a habit that you will then enjoy. 21 days. At least 21 days. Of course, the habit is something that you become so accustomed to doing that when you fail to do it, you feel out of sorts. You feel like something is missing. Research also suggests that some habits will take longer than 21 days to form. And it depends upon the habit you're trying to form, the amount of repetitions you use to form it, how it fits into your routine, and the difficulties or complexities surrounding your new discipline. But I believe that if you make the commitment to become more disciplined in your prayer life, to become more disciplined in studying the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will work in you to help you form those new disciplines. If you're willing to alter your preferences, God is willing to help you. Amen. If you will make the commitment to form new habits of prayer and study, miracles will happen in your life. Miracles that decades from now, you will trace back to this season of prayer and worship that you create now. Breakthroughs await many of you in this room. It awaits many of you that are viewing online. And it awaits many who will listen to or view this message in the future. Breakthrough. Why do I say that? I say it because the God we serve is the God of miracles. He's in the miracle working business. He wants someone to believe him. He longs to bless you with a good life and with good things in life. My wife and I, On this past Monday, returned home from a much-needed vacation. And as our vacation was winding down, I came to a stark realization about my life that I want to share with you. That realization is this. I love my life. I love my life. You know, often when vacations come to an end, now I'm going to step on some of your toes for just a moment, there is this 
feeling that my vacation is over and I now have to return to my everyday life. Huh? Listen. So let me make a, let me make let me let me help you here. If you do not enjoy your life, perhaps you do not enjoy it because there is not enough God in it. Huh? One more time. If you do not enjoy your life. Perhaps you don't enjoy it because there is not enough God in it. And I don't mean to sound cynical, but to paint reality. Whatever area in your life where there is no altar is an area that you've not invited God into. You've not invited God into it. That area will not be an area of joy and fulfillment. You see, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives. We allow God into this area of life, but we shut him out of these. It is in those areas that we shut God out of, please hear me, that we do not want to return to. (laughs) So we don't want to return to. We don't want no part of that because, listen, we are children of God. Mm. But if God is in every part of your existence, how can you possibly not enjoy every part of it? How can you enjoy how can you not enjoy something that God's in? How can you not enjoy something that God's that God's a part of? I love my job because God is in my job. I love my family because God is a major part of my family. I love my home because we do our best to honor God there. I love this church because God is here. He is present and he is leading. How can I not love my life? And if I love my life, you can love yours too. All you got to do is invite God into every part of it. Not put him here and shut him out here. Invite him in here, but shut him out here. But build an altar. Build an altar of prayer and sacrifice in every area of your life. And there is not one area that you will not enjoy. So the end of our vacation did not create any feelings of angst or disappointment for me because I knew... When I got back home, God was going to be there. (laughs) I knew when I got back to work, God was going to be here. I knew when I came back to church, he was going to be here already waiting on me. And I knew that when I got to see my family, God was going to be with us in that as well. What parts of your life do you struggle with the most? I encourage you to let God into those places by building altars and inviting him to meet you in those places of sacrifice. As I close, as you build altars to God, you will find some are easier to build than others, but that each one will require a sacrifice from you. That is why they're called altars. Altars are not only places of prayer, but also places of personal 
sacrifice. The greater the call, the greater the sacrifice. The bigger the change needed, the bigger the altar becomes. Some altars will be built in private, whereas others must be built in public for all to see. Six years ago, at our Fort Square convention, convention that's normally attended by 3,500 to 5,000 people in Columbus, Ohio, God had me place this issue of racial reconciliation on a public altar. And let me tell you, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in the public's eye. God said through Samuel, the answer of Hannah's prayer, the one who, who was the answer of Hannah's prayer, God later said through him, obedience is better than sacrifice. Yet, what I discovered is that when it comes to issues, please hear me, such as racial and political reconciliation, it will take both obedience and sacrifice. I want you to watch this video, if you will. My name is Huey Hudson, and I'm the pastor of Restoration Church in Madison, Alabama. I'm also the state superintendent for the state of Alabama. And I just feel led by the Lord to come before you tonight as an African-American and ask you to forgive us as a people for any bitterness, for any unforgiveness that we have in our hearts towards our Caucasian brothers and sisters. I stand on behalf of God's people. And I say, please forgive us what we've misunderstood, what we've judged, what we've been critical, what we failed to understand the heart of God. If anyone understands liberty, it's the African-American people because God has set us free. But we've taken that freedom and we've turned it around and we've placed others in bondage because we have failed to forgive and release them because of the bitterness that's in our heart. And I ask you tonight, my brothers and my sisters, please forgive. Please forgive. I forgive. I release. And I ask for forgiveness in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that the Spirit of God would just sweep across this place and he would release power and anointing and a spirit of forgiveness in the mighty name of Jesus that we will never ever be the same again because God is the Lord. God is the Lord. Please forgive, accept my heartfelt forgiveness tonight and step into the liberties and the freedom of God Almighty. Be freed, be freed, be freed. Be freed in the love. 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 Hallelujah.
Father, for the wounds of history, for the wounds of, caused by blindness, for the wounds caused by presumption, we not only receive the loving request for our forgiveness, but for anything residue or remaining in any of us, cleanse and release, Lord, that there come the massiveness of your liberty. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, hallelujah, there is liberty. And we stand together in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us lift up a shout of liberty. Hallelujah. to pray for ministers who have come from African countries to America and I felt that they have not been readily accepted and integrated smoothly into the service and some of whom have carried hurts and pains and have also maybe allow the spirit of bitterness to come in. What an appropriate, what a relevant message that God has brought us to us today. And I'm here also to pray for that. And ask that if you are part of this group, I'm an African ministry in America. If you're part of the group who feels you've not been freely accepted and integrated and you've sent certain barriers and obstacles and that has caused some kind of bitterness in you. Would you please join me? And everybody here, please join me as we go before the Lord. And I just want to go on my knees as we pray regarding this as well. Dear Father, we thank you that you are the God of the nations. We thank you that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everybody who lives therein. Lord, today we have heard your word and our corresponding response to this word is to repent before you. And Lord, I pray for Africans from the continent of Africa that you have sent to this nation. And it seems like you are not part of any other group, but you sense that there is not being a hands that have been readily open to embrace you and because of that there is some bitterness that has come and father we pray that we are the people of the kingdom of God we are the people called by your name we are the people filled with the Holy Spirit and today we come against the spirit and the root of bitterness that has come and has caused divisiveness and schisms amongst us. And we pray, God, that whatever has created this and the spirit that has come to destroy the unity of the body of Christ, that together, collectively, and corporately, we come against that spirit and crush it in the name of Jesus Christ.
Holy Spirit. Jesus came to remove the barriers that has divided and to bring us together. And Lord God, we thank you for your word that has come to us today. And we destroyed this unity. We destroyed destroy divisiveness. And we destroy any spirit that separates us from one another. That we are not Africans or Americans or Asians or Europeans. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord Jesus, for dying for the unification of the people of God. And we receive the spirit of grace upon us. And upon all of us, we are one through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for the work of the spirit amongst us and in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, again, that was six years ago, and I, um, I never, I never seen the video. Um, when I was on vacation, I thought, you know, it'd be maybe good for me to, if I can find that, because my wife had told me she said, you know, Pastor Jack climbed on the platform to get to you. I said, no, I don't didn't know anything. But uh, and you wonder why did he climb up the platform? He could have gone to the steps. Yes. Let me tell you why. There's some things that are urgent. They require immediate response. And there was such a move of the Spirit in the atmosphere. And him being the sensitive man of God that he was, he did not want to miss the moment. So at the age of about 80 years old, he climbed on the platform. He crawled on his knees to receive what I was offering. That is how racial... And political reconciliation is going to happen in this in America. <laughs> Let me close with this, and then we're going to. I want to have you pray for one another. God has given me many ways and many opportunities to steward my voice to our Foursquare family. But I believe the greatest is in the area of racial reconciliation. And this much I've come to know. Anyone who wants to effectively bring about racial and political reconciliation and change must start by looking within, not without. If you will look within yourself and identify the things in you that are wrong and place those things on God's altar, his redemptive power will be released to you and from you in a way that will bring lasting change. So I close with this. Will you alter your preferences today? Will you seek God for a more disciplined life? Will you take a look within and discern what is not good, what is not right, what is not of the Lord in you and repent of those things. Will you alter your preferences? I want us to do something. As Pastor Agabus was praying, he prayed for the spirit of grace 
to fill us all. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray that today's message has encouraged and empowered your journey in following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit us by going to our website, r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.